popular technology radio. Your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Welcome to this week's episode of Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and our show is brought to you by Bridgestone. They're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. And we've got a show that is all over the place this week. Our second hour is with Bitdefender, uh, makers of antivirus software and a new uh, box that goes in your house to protect all of your Internet of Things products. And then we're going to talk with the, the creators of FarmBot, automated farming at your house. But before that, we're going to talk with Echo Box about titanium headphones and earbuds, adaptive sound technologies about white noise machines, pink noise machines, brown noise machines. And right now we're going to talk to Beruz Hariri. He's the CEO and co-founder of Smart Nora, the snoring defense mechanism keeping you and your loved ones sleeping better. So Beruz, uh, the last time we spoke was just after your Kickstarter. Yeah, so last time we talked was September of 2016, and uh, we were just kind of getting ready for our uh, Q4 and being being in the market uh, for the for the uh, holiday shopping season with products. The year before that, we were still in our pre-order phase. Um, so it's been a pretty dynamic year. We ended it with ending up on Oprah's favorite things list, which was a pretty um, good stamp of approval for us. That's almost a good problem to have. I, I imagine you guys are having probably trouble keeping up with the amount of orders that come in after Oprah endorses you. Yeah, we managed to just sell out for two days and then be back in stock. <laughs> nice. So we somehow managed to figure out the science of uh, forecasting. Very nice. So let, let's talk. Let's let's kind of go back a little bit and talk about uh, what S- Smart Nora is and and how it works and how it helps people. Sure. So uh, Smart Nora is basically it's the most comfortable snoring solution out there. And it has that benefit because it's invented by a snorer. So it doesn't require much sacrifice on the snorer's side. And what it uh, does is it replaces basically uh, the very kind, patient, and gentle nudge that a loving partner would give to their partner. And uh, it came out of that actually that exact scenario where Ali, um, the inventor and the CTO of the company, um, was dealing with this problem and realized, okay, being an engineer, he needs to automate um, this gentle kind of nudge to the pillow. And then as we got further into it, we realized that we can actually optimize it so it doesn't wake up the snore at all. And after a few nights, people get used to it. So it's a win-win. And, uh, yeah, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Then uh, family and friends of friends didn't want to give back the prototypes that they had been given to test. We just realized we have something serious to really focus on. And now, so it's been um, it's it's been through the Kickstarter process. So a lot of people already have these now, and obviously a lot of people have them now that Oprah recommended it. Um, what kind of responses are you getting from people? Because I know that um, you might not realize how much you know snoring and waking your own self up in the middle of the night can really impact your own sleep, but until you get the kind of sleep that you get when you're not snoring. I imagine a lot of people are uh, reaching out to you and, and maybe giving you suggestions for the next version. Yeah. So we definitely get a lot of uh, emotionally charged feedback. It, it's actually the relation. Uh, the feedback is about the relationship 
not so much about snoring when, when people get back to us about it. Um, it's about people getting back in the same bedroom. It's about people actually realizing how much they resented each other in the morning. And that's really not <laughs> how they wanted to start their day. Uh, we have like, you have to uh, kind of check out some of the reviews on our Amazon page. We have this like one page long review of, uh, this lady basically telling us how it has changed their, their relationship for the better. Um, so yeah, so I think when we actually introduce the product, we say we are in the business of improving relationships by helping people not snore. And uh, it definitely does resonate with people. Yeah, I bet. Now, so explain for people who might not who who uh, have missed the episode from a few months ago. How does it know? Like, is it listening for you to snore, and then it just kind of lifts your head up a little bit? Does it go under your pillow, or does it replace your pillow? Uh, maybe give give kind of the mind's eye for some people who might be just listening in their car. Yeah, so you basically just gave the, the quick uh, summary of it. So what we do is we have a microphone, which is the only visible part of the product. It's a kind of white, round, pebble-shaped device that you put in your bedroom, and it's actually pretty nondescript and just stylish. And the rest of the product is two parts, one that goes right under your pillow. So we have this padded soft insert that uh, is really not there when we don't need it. It's just going to blend with your pillow. And when we listen for sounds of snoring before they get loud enough to wake up the partner, we slowly inflate the pillow uh, using a micro pump, a silent pump that's under your bed. Again, the other part of the product that you don't necessarily see. And the motion is so small and so gentle that it doesn't wake you up, but it actually wakes up the muscles around the airway and opens up the airway back to its natural position so you can breathe normally. Nice. And when you're not snoring, again, the whole thing deflates, goes back to flat, and uh, our objective is to not change your sleep setting while you're sleeping normally and just give you a little nudge when you are about to go into a loud snore episode. On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and I'm talking with Beruz Hariri. He's the CEO and co-founder of Smart Nora. So, Beruz, how can you improve this product? Is is this going to be a product that um, keeps moving forward through um, new models or through um, product updates? So, people love it for what it is, but also talking to 40,000 customers and more means that we have a lot of ideas and a lot of learning. And uh, we got our start from a very kind of human-centered and uh, we jokingly say self-centered because we started working with our own problem. Um, but now we are actually exposed to a lot of interesting conversations. So uh, to your point, uh, sleep, nutrition, and, and uh, physical activity are the three pillars of health, right? You can't actually improve any of the other two uh, without having all three. So if your sleep is uh, disrupted and you have kind of... Uh, broken sleep uh, for a majority of the night. It uh, doesn't matter how much you work out or how well you eat. Your, your health is going to suffer. 
Um, it's actually something we definitely like to talk about more and more. We are getting to uh, Sleep Awareness Month in, in March. And um, in terms of where the product is going, there's a lot of interesting stuff that we're working on. Uh, we are working on our machine learning algorithm in terms of listening to patterns, learning from behavior, and making tweaks to the current product, and then other exciting things that we have, we have in the pipeline that hopefully soon we can talk about. Okay, so this is well, with, with the uh, the smart Nora that people are buying now. This is something that they will be able to um, update the firmware for it by connecting it to their phone or computer to update the algorithms that based on all the feedback you're getting. Uh, yeah, that's very likely. Uh, we will see kind of what happens in terms of our product development, um, but uh, yeah, our aim is to make things backwards compatible and. Um, and we mostly we are customers of the community, so whatever works best, we, we are gonna uh, make it into our plan. Very cool. Well, is there anything else you want to let people know uh, besides the website that they go to to order it right now? If if they have, don't already have yeah, one, so smartnora.com. Smartnora.com is the place to go. We are mostly very interested in having those conversations with people, whether they are trying to make a decision to try it or not, which they should because we have a thirty day return policy, no questions asked. And um, and also just um, as part of our brand, people get introduced to, um, you know, other educational content, best practices, what to do before sleep, after sleep. Um, so we're just kind of trying to foster that and just uh, share, share some knowledge. And, you know, for something that almost half the population deals with, um, we also always like reminding people that uh, often you ask, you know, we've all had these conversations with our mothers, like, hey, that snores so bad, how do you sleep? And mom says, I just don't sleep that well, or I just bear it. And that's just not okay. There's like, it's just, uh, it doesn't make any sense that one person should really sacrifice their health and their well-being and their mood uh, just to be able to stay in the same bedroom. So uh, we, we want, really want people to think about it more seriously. Yeah, not to mention the, the health of the person who is snoring, I mean, I know I've woken up a few times, and I'm like, I know I'm snoring because my throat is so dry and it hurts. And if I would have just had, like, my wife, you know, bless her soul, can sleep through it sometimes. But if if she or smart Nora had nudged me just a little bit, I could talk a little bit better the next day because I didn't, you know, dry out my throat terribly. Yeah, so on the Snorri side, actually, we get also interesting stories. We have people who have switched to Smart Nora from using those mouthpieces, or the they, they call them the mandibular repositioning device, which pull, pulls your jaw forward. Uh, it actually works because it physically is pushing your jaw forward to create more space in your throat. The problem is you can't eat breakfast for a couple of hours after you wake up because your jaw hurts. So we have people who are now writing to us like, hey, I can eat breakfast right away. <laughs> wow. That's... Uh, or people who are getting um, you know really good, solid sleep. And they actually need to spend less time in bed because the time that they're in bed, they're actually getting solid sleep. So they're doing, uh, they're working out in the morning or they're just adding different routines to their morning. Um, and then obviously what you mentioned in terms of a sore throat or dry dryness, um, a lot of the snores actually feel that, that benefit as well. That's fantastic. All right. Well, Behrouz Hariri, CEO and co-founder of Smart Nora, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jason. All right, well, if anybody wants to get one of these, go to smartnora.com. This is Pop Tech Radio, and we'll be right back.
Craftsman is celebrating over 90 years of innovation. Since 1927, they've put hardworking tools into the hands of makers and mechanics. I've had Craftsman tools in my garage for decades, so I know firsthand that Craftsman comprehensive automotive tools and garage storage solutions will help you tackle your next project with confidence, whether you be a shade tree mechanic or a certified pro. So visit your local Ace Hardware or check out Craftsman.com to shop the latest hand tools, power tools, lawn and garden equipment, smart products, storage solutions, and a whole lot more. That's Craftsman.com. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and now I'm joined by Sam Nicolino. He's the president and CEO of Adaptive Sound Technologies, Inc. And if you want to see more about their products, you can go to soundofsleep.com. Uh, probably one of the top words of the year, uh, 2017 or 2018. It, it's so uh, important and often discussed uh, in in news articles and podcasts and blogs, the science of sleep and how important it is to get enough sleep, the right kind of sleep. And that's why we have, you know, our Apple watches tracking our sleep. And if we get enough of it, but when it comes down to just getting to sleep, some people have trouble. And this is where the sound of sleep comes in. Sam Nicolino, president and CEO of Adaptive Sound Technologies. How do we? How should we start talking about these products? I, I uh, feel inclined to start talking about the baby product first because I'm the oldest of four siblings, and I've definitely seen uh my mom try to try to do lots of different things to get children to sleep uh but maybe we should start with the uh the original product first and and talk about just like simulating white noise pink noise brown noise how do you want to start this sure, off sure yeah jason thank you um um yeah i think it's best to give you a little bit of a, a background because the baby product is really the result of uh, all the other things we've we've done before that, and customer feedback on how we could create new, better products with for different markets. Uh, we started out with the Sample Sleep Machine, which is a way of generating soothing sound stories. We call them, which are combinations of naturally recorded sounds like ocean and rain. Um, uh, but they're done in such a way that they, their compositions, um, really ASTI is a combination, an interesting combination of, uh, of science, art, <laughs> uh, with a sprinkling of Silicon Valley uh, engineering on top of it to, uh, to, to hit certain consumer price points that are necessary to, uh, make things in volume and be successful. Uh, the science, of course, is, um, revolves around sleep and, and what's important when you're trying to sleep and uh, maybe more important, what shouldn't you do when somebody's trying to sleep? And I'll, I'll get into more detail on that later. Um, and then um, the art part of it is related to that. Um, several of our guys are musicians. I'm also a musician. We we looked at the problem uh, this way. Um, 
how can you create a sound that a customer or actually we just we just imagined ourselves using it, in particular me. That's where it all started about 20 years ago when I was trying to build a device that I could use at night. Um, how can you create a sound story or soundscape, whatever you'd like to feel or feel most comfortable calling it? How do you create one you can listen to every night uh, for years? without getting uh, really upset with it or, or sick of it or... Or feeling like you notice when it loops or whatever. Yeah, that's that's one of the most basic things. Uh, starting at it from an, an engineering standpoint and a, and a musician standpoint, um, I thought originally, you know, if, if I just created a, a sound that lasted, you know, a half an hour, an hour, whatever, and then just repeated it, it wouldn't be a problem. But when I tested it, I knew exactly where the loop points were. It was really disturbing to me. I I, uh, I, I knew I'd had to do something better than that. So that, that's really where the, combina- the combination of high-quality sound recordings being able to mix them dynamically on the fly. And then it, it turns out that we do that based on two basic things. One is noise events. Uh, so how is the noise in your room, your bedroom changing? Uh, and how can we respond to that? And the other are pseudo random events. Um, so, you know, to mix things up so that, uh, you don't your your brain doesn't pick out any patterns any any loops uh, and all of our competitors really just have a short little recording of something like the ocean there might be a wave crash and a bird tweet and and a little gust of wind and then it just repeats and our brains are designed to pick out patterns um, so it doesn't take long even if they're a minute long uh, it, it really doesn't take long to uh, detect the pattern. And, and then it's just not helpful for sleep at all. You're just sitting waiting for it to to happen. I mean, it's like listening to a loud ticking. Uh, yeah, it's funny you say a loud ticking. I, that, that's exactly where my mind went. I, for the longest time, had a, a ceiling fan, and one of the little dangly chains for adjusting it would start to um, hit the side of the glass globe. And, and it's like, my I'm also a musician, and my musician's brain, as I'm trying to fall asleep, starts hearing different rhythms in it. And, I'm, and then I start to listen for if it's reliably making that rhythm. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's actually making two different ones. And it goes back and forth. And, and then suddenly an hour has passed. Maybe you're asking yourself, who is that guy in the mirror? What happened to the guy with the brass knuckle attitude? Maybe he just needs to decide, is that a tie around his neck or a leash? Join the Brotherhood of Muscle with an available 485 horsepower Dodge Charger or Dodge Challenger GT, the world's first all-wheel drive two-door muscle car at the Dodge Drive and Discover event. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and I'm continuing my conversation with Sam Nicolino, President and CEO of Adaptive Sound Technologies, Inc. And now let's talk about making content to sleep to, because it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, the content is everything. Well, not everything, but it, 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 if you have lousy content, it doesn't matter how good your audio amplifier and everything else is. So we, we used to joke that our guys climb trees and record frogs and, you know, and, <laughs> and all that stuff. And, and, and it's really true. We spent 10 years recording these things. Uh, and a lot of the recordings are difficult to get. It gets more difficult every day because of noise pollution. Just to give you an example of recording the ocean is particularly difficult. Uh, there are more and more cars, more and more airplanes going over, more and more, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of disturbances. Uh, the, the, the beach itself is more crowded. There are more people. And the other problem is, is the wind. Uh, the ocean, by its nature, uh, creates a lot of, of wind and gusts and so forth. And that makes it difficult to record. The bottom line is you want it natural, you want it ever-changing, and you need it to slip in the background. And again, the uh, Sample Sleep Line uh, was the first one that came out with the adaptive noise capability and, and the random uh, sound generation, uh, uh, what we refer to as real-time composition. And um, it's been very successful. Uh, one of the machines, the uh, first machine that we came out with about nine years ago, is, is still selling very well, uh, the Sample Sleep. And then we have a couple of different variations of that, one for travel and one a little higher-end machine that has some uh, white noise and fan sounds built into it. But anyway, so what, let me get to that. So the second thing we did is, is we found out from our customers that uh, – 20% or so of them were, were just listening to white noise or listening to uh, a, a fan sound that we had recorded. So we decided um, it might make sense to try to come out with a fan and a white noise machine. It, it's tricky, too, though. You need to create a baseline white noise uh, to, to generate a white noise. I mean, it's all done algorithmically. There, there are no recordings at all. And then how do you filter that to get different variants of it? Um, pink noise is really a, a filtered version of white noise. It has a lot less of the high frequencies. And then brown noise or brownian noise is even a much basier, deeper uh, white noise variant. So the idea is you turn it on and you forget about it. It's just gone and then you, it just slips in the background and, and you don't really know you're even listening to it after a while. It's just... You don't, you're, you're not hearing dogs bark, and you're not hearing um, little disturbances in your, you know, in your house, like floorboards rattling and your compressor motor and your refrigerator going on and off and stuff like that, that in a really quiet environment will actually you know, drive you nuts and keep you awake. And um, the product has just been wildly successful. It's our, it's our hottest-selling product. It's the highest-rated uh, sound machine on uh, Amazon ever in the history of, of of Amazon, maybe in the history of anything. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's got well over 7,000 reviews, 4.6 stars right now, which is, if you know Amazon and their rating system, it's just nearly impossible yeah. to get that. You know, I get to brag a little bit. But anyway, it, it was a lot of work. It took us a lot of time. But it, it turns out that a lot more people than we thought were 
just sleeping with a fan, I guess, because you grew up, uh, in, you know, in the summer, you'd have the fan going and, and uh, it's soothing. You don't hear your brother uh, in the other room uh, doing whatever he was doing or, uh, or the TV on in the other room or the news report or, and in my case, neighbors yelling and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> it just there's, there's endless amounts of things you can imagine disturbing your sleep. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and and the basic idea is uh, what we respond to. The things that wake us up are, are changes in uh, in uh, noise levels. So, for example, if you have a somebody starts yelling or. Or uh, a garbage truck comes by at three in the morning, you know, three four in the morning. There's what we call a noise floor, which is the ambient noise level in your room. And then what we look at is the delta, which is uh, the peak noise, and how different, how much louder the peak is than the ambient. And if it gets above a certain number of dB, uh, you may well wake up. But by raising your ambient noise level you're basically reducing that delta. And that's why sound machines work. So anyway, uh, th- this has been great, uh, extremely successful. It, it's uh, based on the same idea that non-looping sounds, it's just different categories of sounds. So with Kinder, our, our baby product that we just launched, uh, what we've done is we've taken all these tech, uh, those two basic technologies and all of our sound libraries, all of the fans, all the white noises, all the different ambient uh, uh, real sounds like uh, ocean, rain, so forth, and we put them all in one really compact little nightlight-sized uh, device. We got rid of the power adapter so there's no wires that, that could possibly be tripped over for, from a safety standpoint. And we allowed it to be completely controlled uh, by an app from a smartphone. So mom, usually mom, I'm sorry, sometimes dad, but it's usually mom <laughs> that uh, gets up and uh, takes care of the, the, you know, the little guys at night. And uh, in some cases, uh, they don't want to go into the room and possibly disturb the child so they can do it uh, remotely, if you will, uh, through their phone adjust volume or turn the night light on and off or whatever uh, whatever they may want uh, need to do yeah and I noticed um, that with the 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 child version of the product there's a, a huge increase in the variety of sounds um, and, and it makes sense because so many babies have their own that one you ask any parent what what soothes your kid and I remember hearing one person say, the only thing that puts my baby to sleep is uh, Johnny Cash or something like that, where it, it's just that one thing. And I know that I, for, for my family, it was like taking the kid for a ride. And there was that ambient car sound that just put baby to sleep. And so you've expanded some of those car noises and things like that into the the Kinder um, product too, right? Yeah, the uh, the sound for sleep uh, has uh, a category called rides, which is a train ride, car ride, uh, airplane ride, so forth, and those have all been included in the Kinder as well. Um, and then there's others like uh, washer dryer, uh, air conditioner. There's just, there's just so many different ones, and 
sometimes people get confused. They, they, they say, well, why do you put all these sounds in there? Why would I ever want to listen to that sound or this sound? Or well, why would I want to listen to city noise, you know, New York City, you know, with cars honking and stuff Anybody like that. wondering that hasn't well, grown up in a city. Well, exactly. See, chances are you won't. You're not going to like every sound, and every sound on there is not going to be perfect for your child. But having all those choices uh, allows you to find the one or two that, that really are going to be perfect for you. And that's why you need so many selections. It's not like you're going to use a different one every night. Kinder uh, reinforces the whole idea of creating a, a routine for your child. Um, so when they hear the sound, they know that subconsciously after a while that, hey, it's time, time to go to night-night and time to, you know, curl up and with my, uh, you know, whatever my toy or whatever it is and, and the blanket and, uh, you know, and, and, and get some restful sleep. And so it's just part of reinforcing the, that, that whole thing that it's, you know, it's making it special, making it. Uh, something they look forward to and not something that uh, just all of a sudden, hey, it's time to go to bed, you got to get up, whatever, throw them in the crib. And <laughs> right, and a lot, a lot of the time our senses give us the cues of what time it is to do something, whether it's the, the waning light or the scent of a certain type of tea that you have or something like that. There's generally something that gives your body the cue that it's time to transition. And sound is definitely a very powerful sense for sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing we, uh, this first product where we've added a nightlight and we spent a lot of time on it. So you could really adjust the brightness of the light over a really wide range. <clears throat> it could be almost so so dull that you can't even see it to the point where it's, uh, you know, pretty bright and you can set it to any color you want. There's a mode where it just revolves through all the colors in the rainbow, and uh, which is nice, I think, for waking. Well, Sam Nicolino, thank you so much for joining me on Popular Technology Radio. If anybody who is listening wants to find out more, you can go to soundofsleep.com. Or you can search Adaptive Sound Technologies on Amazon or any of the product names, which are the Sound Plus Sleep, the Electrofan, the Electrofan Kinder, any of those products. Check them out on Amazon. Super, super high reviews. And uh, and again, soundofsleep.com if you want to do a bit more reading. But uh, Sam, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're switching gears from talking about sleep to talking about headphones, and specifically the company Echo Box. And we're talking with Director of Growth Josh McKenzie. Josh, what is Echo Box doing to improve 
the design and functionality of earbuds. See, the problem with all these new earphone companies coming out, whether they're new or old, um, I'm sure you've noticed the difference. Like Bose, they used to be amazing. Sony, their headphones and their earphones used to be amazing. Um, but they started lacking quality on sound and started throwing in a lot of different features that don't really make sense to tr people who truly care, care about the audio. Um, what Echo Box did is we went back to the basics. We went back and we made sure that every single dollar that we put into manufacturing only did one thing, to give good quality, better quality than the other ones out there. So what we did is we went back and we manufactured high-fidelity audio that you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for. So when you think high fidelity, you think, oh, these earphones are going to cost, you know, upwards of a thousand, two thousand dollars. But we made it possible to have, you know, that that technology available to everybody. Um, it's it's high fidelity for the masses. And yeah, and a lot of the time when you upgrade from from the headphones that you get, if you want something that's not made of plastic, you're going to be at least in like the five hundred dollar range. Because metal exactly. is expensive, and, and it's so easy to yeah. mold things out of plastic. But you guys have been making some uh, products out of, like, titanium, right? Yes, sir. All of our products are made out of titanium. Um, the housing's titanium. The cable is silver-plated copper. So wow. we use extremely high-quality material. It's not going to fray on you. Um, it's, it doesn't tangle. We have tangle-free technology. So it's very convenient to throw in your gym bag and pull right out, and you don't have to worry about it getting crushed by anything. And the best part is our Nomads, which is our flagship, um, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, how we're gearing that more towards the gaming industry. Um, the, the soundstage on that is incredible. It has automatic tu uh, tuning filters, um, completely customizable sound, and those MSRP for only 249 Wow. One of the things I noticed also is that your the actual little tiny speaker is it a cone or something like that in there? It's made of polyether ketone. Does that do, does that give it like any um, uh, like strengthening ability to like not rip if you're you know listening to music with a lot of bass or something like that in there? It, it makes it to where the music transfers from the device to your ears a lot smoother. Hmm. Um, and it's. Like peak, that that's what it's that's what it's shortened to peak material. Um, it it refers to a, a semi-crystalline organic polymer thermoplastic, which just it it has a highly stable chemical structure, um, which gives it an edge over all of the other materials in, in its group. Haynes manuals are now available in online format for all electronic devices. With Haynes Manual Online, you get all the trusted content of the Haynes printed manual. Added features include the ability to enlarge every color photo, a keyword search function, and a detailed troubleshooting section. There are over 180 car, truck, and motorcycle online manuals to choose from, with more being added every day. Go to Haynes.com and enter your make, model, and year to find the Haynes online manual for your vehicle. You can do it for yourself. Let Haynes Manuals Online show you how.
Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're continuing our conversation with Josh McKenzie, the director of growth for Echobox. And Josh, you were saying that the Nomad model you're uh, incorporating into the world of gamers. How are you doing that? So one of the reasons why we we partnered up with the uh, uh, VR company, it was a friend from back in the day. They uh, they made a game called Rotu. Um, rhythm of the universe and it's a really cool game man it's a virtual reality experience it's like just imagine skyrim meets star wars meets music and they just combine that all together and it gives you a really cool uh playing experience one of the issues that you know virtual reality users have is that the last thing that they want to do is put more things on their head you know aside from a vr set so they want to be able to have noise-canceling technology, isolation, while having that good sound. And that's what the Nomad allows. It gives you that sound stage. They're in-ear earbuds, so you don't have a lot of weight holding you down while you're playing the virtual reality. Okay, um, yeah, so you don't want to have like big over-ear headphones while you're already wearing a face mask. Your head starts feeling weighed down. You don't want to feel like you're getting an MRI. <laughs> <laughs> How, how are those being used in, in terms of the VR experience? Are they in some way able to um, simulate a, a better stereo experience, or, or how, is that, how, does, how does that work? It allows you to completely immerse yourself into the game. Um, so say you're running around in Call of Duty and a grenade blows up to your left and you keep walking. It's going to sound like a grenade actually blew up to your left. And as you keep walking, it's going to sound like it's still on your left and you're moving past it. Um, it has that technology inside of it to create a true uh, VR soundstage. Okay. And some uh, headphones and earbuds are meant to be used while jogging, so you still want to be able to hear your outside surroundings. <laughs> These are going to be more of the isolation, uh, completely cutting off the surrounding noises, right? Correct. We, uh, we partner with a company called Comply. They make scientific memory foam earbuds, um, and they, they form to your ear. You squeeze them, you shove them in your ear as deep as they can go, and then they expand, and they fill out your ear perfectly. Um, and as you wear them longer, the heat activates with the memory foam, so it just forms to a better fit over time. You also have some titanium Bluetooth earphones coming out, and I know that... Um, <clears throat> Bluetooth can have trouble going through metal and stuff like that. So how did you guys work that out? Um, how we did that is we just used very, very good Bluetooth technology. We, d- we don't spare any expenses to make cheap products like the other companies that already have their brand name. Um, we want to make sure that we put the best of the best in our, you know, in our earphones and have an edge on the competition. So that's how we do it. Okay. Um, the money that... You know, the money that we spend and everything, we don't take the cheap approach. We use the best technology out there. Um, and that, that's, that's pretty much how we do it. And so there's Bluetooth is a standard, but within Bluetooth, you can buy more or less expensive um, maybe antennas for it to, to make sure that signal is able to penetrate and go as far as it needs to go? Exactly. That's awesome. Now... One thing that really caught my attention when I was at CES, I kind of stopped by and checked it out, was the Explorer Digital Audio Player. And I like the idea of this. Um, essentially, this is going to be, this is like the the iPod 2.0, right? Yep, it's like an iPod on steroids. 
Nice. Um, it has uh, it's genuine hardwood body, um, wireless connectivity. It connects to Wi-Fi. Um, it has a 64 gigabyte capacity with the micro SD slot that will allow for additional storage. Um, inside of it, it has a 300 milliwatt amplifier. So the sound that it puts out gives you that true studio quality sound without having to plug into an actual studio. Like if you, if you want to use some of those, you know, four or $5,000 focal or, uh, Mr. Speaker's headphones, you're not going to hear them correctly when you're playing them on a phone. You need that, you know, you need that bass to play it off of. So this allows you to get that, um, that whole amplifier sound without having to be plugged into one. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you want to tell us about um, the earbuds, the Bluetooth headphones, or, or anything else like that? Yeah, the uh, the Bluetooth earbuds are going to be out very soon. Um, they're going to MSRP at only one twenty nine. Um, wow, which is pretty cheap compared to the other ones out there, and they are titanium. Um, incredible sound. I haven't been able to put mine down. And mine are just the handmade ones, and I've you know I've been using them every single day. Where do people go if they want to uh, find out more about what you're currently offering or sign up for updates? Uh, www.echoboxaudio.com. Echoboxaudio.com. All right, perfect. Josh McKenzie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. If the measure of a car was how many people it turned into people who love cars, the Subaru Outback would be worth its weight in gold, thanks largely to its symmetrical all-wheel drive. Unlike other systems that wait for a wheel to slip, it powers all four wheels all the time, all while with better fuel economy than midsize SUVs. And the fact that the Outback is made in a zero landfill plant doesn't hurt either. It's a car that is truly built to be loved. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Welcome to another hour of Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and our show is brought to you by Bridgestone. They're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. The topic at hand is antivirus, anti-malware, and protecting your Internet of Things devices with Bitdefender. Joining me is Dan Berte. He's the Internet of Things director for Bitdefender. You can go to bitdefender.com if you want to see more. Dan, when I look online, a lot of the reviews I'm seeing keep saying the same thing over and over again, which is that it's really well known for being easy to use. We actually have a, one feature that we call Autopilot um, that we, you know, once you turn the thing on, the product does most of the thing for you. You don't even have to go in and do anything. And most of our customers enjoy going back and hitting the scan button just to make sure that they have the peace of mind that their computer is safe and so on. But, you know, by the time they do hit scan, we already took care of that. It's just that there's just this habit of, you know, people wanting to have a little bit of control of that. But but it's interesting. When you enable uh, autopilot, sometimes customers come in and say, well, the product's now silent. It doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't, does it work? Because they wanted it to be quiet, and then they check it out. They really want to go back in there. But, yeah, I think it's there's two things that, um, people care most about when it comes to cybersecurity is please don't affect the performance of my computer and please catch all the viruses. So we, we score best at both and we're proud to say that it's uh, one of the rewarding things. And 
make, making making a package that's that's acceptable and and easy to use for everybody from from large groups of, of people. And you, you you're right. We have a, a sizable amount of customers who are um, in 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 their late years, and it's it's their um, they're comfortable using the product. But then this is this is the uh, this is the classic lineup as we call it. It's the um, the product that everybody has used over the years, from total security to internet security and so on. Um, but um, we've we've been we've been investing in innovations over the last few years, and we kind of changed that all with the uh, with Beatbox. I'm sure uh, that that kind of reinvented a little bit the whole market. Yeah, and uh, that kind of helps us transition right into talking about this new Bitdefender box is that it looks like it's really easy to use and it's like an un- unobtrusive way to get security on a lot of different devices in one really simple way. One of the biggest surprises that people have is to find out how many connected devices they have in their home. Apparently that's not something that comes obvious. I mean, you obviously think, you know, if I ask you, hey, so how, how many devices do you have? And you're going you're gonna, to, you know, enumerate a couple. You're going to say, hey, I have this PC, I have this laptop, I have this iPad, maybe I have this connected camera and a couple of others, maybe a smart TV, but you're going to forget about the printer, you're going to forget about the network attached storage device, about the um, Wi-Fi scale you bought some time ago, and there's a bunch of things that you just don't have visibility about. Yeah, there's the Chromecast, there's the Amazon stick, you know. There you go. So all these things are computers. There are computers that sit on the network, there's all, they're always online, and just like any other computer, they need security. Uh, so in order to be able to provide security for these things, we couldn't make what we normally did, build these uh, programs. You could deploy on them. You could install on them like you would on your PC because uh, most of these do not support it. So for that reason, we had to be, we had to invent something that was a, it turned out to be a physical device, which we call Bitdefender Box. And it's a, device that sits on the network next to the router. And once you're done with that part, well, if you've used a security product in the past, which is the, say, our total security product that just installed on the PC, you don't have to connect any cables and do any setup at the network level, of course. Uh, so this is the new step where you install this thing in there. And once you're done, it, it detects all the devices in the network and you get to see which which is which. And then you know, you know, you you... You deploy total security, which is included with this, which is our product, that award-winning product that we talked about earlier. Or is that Chromecast on the network invisible to Box, so it can you know detect any threats to it and block them and so on. So the the this, it, to, to to your point about simplicity, since everything is just bundled in together, as you see a list of everything and you see that everything is going through Box and taken care of in in in, in their security, um, you just significantly decrease the time managing all these things individually. On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and let's continue our conversation with Dan Berte, the Internet of Things director for Bitdefender. People are getting more and more internet-connected devices every day. I yes. mean, 
if you're going to go buy a new fridge these days, chances are it's probably got some kind of Internet of Things ability added on to it. If you get if you buy a new washing machine, it's probably going to have a uh, ability to connect to the Internet and um, you know, talk talk to uh, the parent company about um, you know there's anomalies here. The the, the washing machine's not working properly. So every day people are adding more devices into their home that are more and more um, weak points in their security if they don't have any kind of Bitdefender box protecting them. A lot of companies put a lot of effort in, in securing these devices. And it's not necessarily the devices the culprit themselves, but it's the attackers that look at these devices on the network and they, hmm, it's just computing power sitting around. I wonder if I could use it. So just to give you an example, there were <laughs> who knew there were thirty thousand of these connected smart fridges. Your point, connect uh, online. And this was a couple of years ago. This is a really good story. Um, and these things, who knew there were so many online? And um, some hackers figured out that they can install a botnet and send spam and make money off of them uh, on these on these connected fridges, and they did. And nobody knew. Because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing you, you're going to see on, on the interface. There's really not much you can. So the way they figured it out is they were, uh, they, they were seeing anomalous traffic at the uh, ISP level. And then somebody rang the bell and, you know, they were calling customers saying, hey, uh, you're doing spam. And, you know, <laughs> if you got that call, you'd be like, I'm not doing spam. Right. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where people just found out things about their devices that they, they had no idea. So was the Mirai attack on the uh, on the connected cameras. Now there's really good connected cameras, and there's cameras that maybe have hardware that somebody got off the shelf from a OEM manufacturer, and then they uh, they threw in a old version of a firmware that wasn't patched with the latest uh, security updates, and 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 a a hacker could just go in and you know try the um, the common username and password combinations and get in. Uh, install install a little package, say mine cryptocurrency or something silly, and and do that. And that's that's what they'll do. It's, the, the hackers are all about making money. And when you see instead of typically we used you know we used to have a PC in our in our homes and that was the only thing connected. And maybe then there was our phone. But now there's all these other things. And and to a hacker's eyes, these look like computing machines, like server farms, just sitting there waiting to be used for whatever nefarious purposes they may have. And yeah, that's that's the concern. So so putting box in is gonna be able is gonna enable you to um fence off a lot of these attacks. So, you know, when when, when the hacker's gonna go in and try to use a combination of username and password that they know is, is is typical for that device, we'll catch that and we'll block that. You know, when you're setting up some of these products, you you, you sign in with you create an account and you sign in and you connect it to your network, and then it saves your Wi-Fi password, you know, locally in its memory, and it's maybe sending it to their cloud, whatever. So what 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 happens is, if you manage to attack a, a connected smart plug and get access to it, uh, root access to it, you could um, retrieve your Wi-Fi password. So just imagine a scenario where um, the bad guy is scanning the internet for these devices. They detect them on the internet. There's 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 uh, there's a uh, Sort of like a Google out there for connected devices called Showdown. You just go in there and check millions of cameras around the world that um, are accessible from the outside, and you can see in people's homes, which is which is creepy. But that's not what these people do because they don't have the time for it. What makes sense is to make money. So what they do is uh, they break into these things, 
they retrieve your Wi-Fi password maybe, or maybe they found maybe they found your uh, account information that you logged in with, and maybe then they take that information, maybe use your Gmail account or your Yahoo account or whatever have you, and then you take that out of there and the password you use, and maybe use that password somewhere else. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use those credentials and try to break into your bank account. So it kind of gets it kind of gets really ugly when when. Somebody harvesting these, I mean, one hacker is going to go in, is going to break into this thing and harvest this information, and they're going to sell it to somebody else who's going to take the time to try to break into other accounts and then, you know, uh, steal your identity or who knows. It's, you know, we, we don't want to paint a picture of a bleak world where people just do this stuff, but it's it's real. We've, we've seen it. We've, we've done our research, and we've seen these devices being broken into, and, and, and we had access to these very intimate inf- pieces of information. Right, and it it's seems important. to be it seems to be increasing, especially with people's ability to build uh, programs that can just automate this for them. Where it's like, okay, I have this username and password, I feed it into my program that I've made, and it will automatically go and try every bank website. And and instead of imagining somebody sitting there trying a password everywhere, it suddenly makes a lot more sense when you can imagine somebody just feeding it into a program, and then that program automatically going and. Exactly. trying it everywhere so it is exactly. real and it's it's kind of spooky so on that note uh the bit defender box is available uh right now right yep you're right uh we're you know it's available on our website on bitdefender.com but you also find it at you know your your uh popular outlets you find it on amazon and best buy and, and other places as well and prize and this is a global product so so this is, is it's exciting for us that we will actually make it available in other markets as well. So there's people in Germany and people in France and people in Japan and people in Canada who can get this as well right now. It's kind of exciting. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This was a great chat. All right. Well, if people want to go find out more, go to bitdefender.com. Or if you want to go exactly to the info on the box, go to bitdefender.com slash box. This is Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back. Craftsman is celebrating over 90 years of innovation. Since 1927, they've put hardworking tools into the hands of makers and mechanics. I've had Craftsman tools in my garage for decades, so I know firsthand that Craftsman comprehensive automotive tools and garage storage solutions will help you tackle your next project with confidence, whether you be a shade tree mechanic or a certified pro. So visit your local Ace Hardware or check out Craftsman.com to shop the latest hand tools, power tools, lawn and garden equipment, smart products, storage solutions, and a whole lot more. That's Craftsman.com. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and I'm talking now with Rory Aronson. He's the CEO of FarmBot. And so, Rory, let's talk about how you got into the world of farming, because like a lot of uh, inventors and um, coders and things like that, they don't plan on being in farming, but then once they start using their skills of product design and, and coding, uh, you have to solve the world's problems, and food is way up there at the top. Yeah, so I actually studied mechanical engineering, um, but have always also been interested in software and kind of system design, uh, you know, broad-level thinking. And, you know, like you said, you, you begin thinking about problems, and you begin thinking about uh, your knowledge and your skill set and where you can apply it, and you try and find something that is meaningful and, and needed. And 
yeah, you usually come down to the somewhat fundamental human needs, food, water, shelter, things that, uh, broadly speaking, are required for human life and, and are required for people to survive and thrive. And so uh, when I was in school uh, back in about 2010, I was studying engineering, uh, but I decided to take an organic agriculture class as well because I was growing a garden at home and I wanted to learn more about, you know, what are these systems that uh, allow all this food to be on the grocery store shelves, that allow this food to be at the farmer's market and in my refrigerator. And so I uh, took this class, and during the class there was a guest lecturer who was actually a local farmer, and he, was, he came in and, and was excited to tell us about his newest tractor technology. And this tractor had cameras and computer vision software that allowed the, the tractor to identify the weeds in his field and then distinguish those weeds from the lettuce plants and then be able to use a, a tilling implement to remove the weeds while protecting the lettuce plants. And so this was a very new technology at the time. Um, you know, this was one of the first machines of its kind. And because of that, very, very expensive. I think the machine was upwards of a million dollars. But for this particular farmer, that was actually well worth it because normally he was doing... Uh, this weeding process with a handful of day laborers, and it was backbreaking work. And and this machine was able to uh, do all that work, um, you know, essentially as, as long as they wanted to run the tractor for, and it actually did it more efficiently. And that's really where I got the idea for FarmBuy. I said, hey, that's awesome technology. What a neat use of uh, cameras and computer vision and uh, robotics applied to farming. And I was working at the time with. 3D printers and, and laser cutters and, you know, DIY fabrication technologies. And I said, why can't we have something similar at home? You know, this was a time when 3D printing was just taking off where you could get for $2,000 a 3D printer in your garage and you could start manufacturing stuff at home. This is a time when uh, there were desktop laser cutter systems just coming onto the market where you could do more of this, yeah, manufacturing in your makerspace or your garage or at the public library. And I said, let's apply this technology to farming and we could probably develop a machine that's small scale, relatively affordable, you know, not a million dollars, but, you know, maybe in the few thousand dollar range. Uh, and we could grow our own food at home and it'd be all automated. It could be, you know, computer controlled. It could be smart data-driven, all the things that are amazing about 3D printing and uh, DIY fabrication and the open-source hardware and software movement, let's bring all that to farming at the small scale. So all these, kind of, all these ideas were kind of circulating around uh, mechanical engineering, software development, systems thinking, uh, and they eventually formed into what is now FarmBot today. Over the last year or two, I've had a little Miracle Grow Aero Garden, which is just the like idiot-proof hydroponic system that you can have in your kitchen and grow mm-hmm. tomatoes and things like that. And what I've found is is having that stuff regularly growing in my kitchen 
I use it a lot, and it's it's fun, but it's also low maintenance, and that's one of the best things, is that farming is not as popular as it could be, or as popular as going to the store, because people have busy lives, and they, they just don't get around to it, but when it's at your house, and it's mostly taken care of for you, it really, uh, you start to see the benefit immediately, and you don't need very many plants going at all before suddenly you have more than you personally need and you can start giving it to your friends. And, and and then that whole thing that happens when you start farming, when anybody you know that has a garden happens where you share and suddenly you have enough food for you and everyone you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and that's the big benefit of FarmBot is that you know, yes, we could scale the technology to serve existing farmers and perhaps make their operations more efficient or more sustainable, and that'd be a, a great benefit to society. But I think the 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 larger potential of FarmBot is at the small scale. It's not in making a few mega farms more efficient. It's making a hundred thousand mini farms distributed across the world that are in people's backyards, they're on their rooftops, they're in little greenhouses, they're at schools, and people are now more connected than they were before to the food. Stay tuned for the rest of our conversation with Rory Aronson from FarmBot. This is Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back. Maybe you're asking yourself, who is that guy in the mirror? What happened to the guy with the brass knuckle attitude? Maybe he just needs to decide, is that a tie around his neck or a leash? Join the Brotherhood of Muscle with an available 485 horsepower Dodge Charger or Dodge Challenger GT, the world's first all-wheel drive two-door muscle car at the Dodge Drive and Discover event. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're still talking with Rory Aronson. He's the CEO of FarmBot. And let's get back to our conversation where we left off. He was talking about focusing on small personal gardens over uh, industrial-sized farms. So the potential to get 100,000 mini-farms distributed across the world, that's really exciting because we're getting people involved in the food production process. They're, they're caring about... Uh, how the food is grown. They're excited to share that process with people. Uh, ultimately, the produce is going to be fresher. It's going to be grown uh, ideally more sustainably than something that they bought at the grocery store. Uh, they're going to be more self-sufficient and reliant in case of a natural disaster or um, you know something like that. And that's an, an exciting prospect for us, is having FarmBot as what we call a home appliance. That is readily uh, available, it's relatively low cost, and uh, space permitting, most people would have a farm bot because it would just make sense. You know, in the same way that most people have a washing machine and a dryer, if their home or apartment can accommodate it, uh, most people, we hope, would have a farm bot in 10 years if they have the space for it because it's just so easy to use, it's so relatively affordable, and you can kind of put it on autopilot 
and be getting the benefit of fresh produce, but not be having the burden of, oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing, and I would need to spend a lot of time learning, or, oh, I'd, I go out of town frequently, and there's just no way I can take care of this garden, or, uh, oh, I got a little bit lazy, or, you know, my family came into town, and we got busy, and we stopped tending the garden, and it got overgrown with weeds. You know, you take all of that away, nobody argues with having fresh produce right in your, right in your backyard. Everybody loves that. It tastes great. It's healthy. It's uh, exciting and fun. So if we can automate that whole process and make FarmBot this no-brainer appliance to have, that's really when we'll see a lot of impact of this technology. So let's talk about um, ease of use and really how it works for people who uh, are interested and maybe for people who are afraid that they don't have enough uh, computer programming ability to um, trust themselves to buy it and, and actually being able to put it together and make it work. Mm-hmm. So FarmBot right now, to be clear, is an early technology. Um, it is, you know, we've been working on it for, I've been working on it for almost five years now, uh, but we only really became a company and began selling products and having a team as of a year and a half or two years ago. So it's very early days for us. Um, if you think back to 3D printing 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was for the hardcore early adopters, right? It was a somewhat difficult technology to work with, um, relatively you know, more expensive than, than compared to today. And you, know, you, you needed to be kind of a geek um, about the technology to get involved with it, um, to deal with its initial shortcomings. But it's those early adopters that then ultimately infused uh, ideas and money and uh, people's time and resources into the technology that has brought it to where it is today. And now you see 3D, there's 3D printers for, for everyone, it seems like. Um, you know, and you can get a 3D printer for two or $300. That's, you know, we're going to follow a similar arc with FarmBot. Right now, we're in that first few years where it's, very early technology, it, it is still somewhat difficult to work with. It requires over 20 hours of assembly time to put the hardware together. The, the software is powerful, but it, it can be tedious at times to configure something. Um, you know, the data that, it, that backs up the system, there's some of it there, but there could certainly be a lot more that would make it, you know, really automated and, and really take out the knowledge required to grow food successfully. So we're, we're working towards this vision of, you know, a plug-and-play, set-it-and-forget-it appliance where you get your farm bot, you pull it out of the box, you can set it up in two hours, and you, you plug in the power, the hose, you pour in some seeds, you hook it up to the Internet, and you're up and running in three hours total, and it's growing food, and in, in two months it's going to email you or text you when the tomatoes are ripe. You know, that's the vision, but we're far from it right now. You've got quite a following behind it. There's, um, I think it'd be, it's it's important for us to talk about the uh, the success of your Kickstarter and then your you, your community that you're building of people who are using it now and giving you that feedback that you do need, right? Yeah. Um, so what we've done, I think, pretty well is communicate this vision. Right, we're saying this is what we want to build. This is our idea for the future of food, and that has inspired 
hundreds of thousands of people to watch our videos and follow us on social media and take part in our community forum. And a handful of them, too, um, a few hundred, have also purchased a kit from us uh, because they say, you know, they are that early adopter type person that wants to be in on the ground floor and help progress this technology from what it is today to that vision. And so, you know, we've, we've been primarily marketing the vision, and that's important for us because if we were to market exactly what the technology is today, well, everyone would just be like, oh, we'll all wait around. And that's, that's neat, but, but it's not really there yet. Um, but we really need to get people involved now to get to where we want to go. And that's been, um, you know, quite successful for us. So we launched our product in July of 2016. Um, the, the first product is FarmBot Genesis, uh, and it covers an area that's 5 by 10 feet wide, approximately. And uh, that FarmBot was and still is, you know, an early adopter technology, but we ended up pre-selling uh, over 250 devices in the first month of sales, and uh, we went to manufacture 350 devices, and we, we actually sold out of those a few months later. We shipped them all out. Um, in the beginning half of 2017, and then we've just been, you know, continuing to grow our team, continuing to uh, build the technology and, you know, build software features, improve the hardware design, um, add more documentation so it's easier to understand and put together, and all this while building a community of our early adopters and of onlookers who who want to be involved, but they're, you know, they're still on the sidelines, but they're they're dipping their toes in. And so this whole time we've been building this community and uh, working towards you know, the next step, which is that, that appliance. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're still talking with Rory Aronson. He's the CEO of FarmBot. Let's talk about their other venture. It's called Open Farm. It is a database for how to grow plants. Um, so this this whole idea was actually a, an original part of FarmBot, and then along the way, while we were developing it, we said, "Hey, this this really doesn't need to be for FarmBot people only." we could spin this off, this database off as a separate project, and it could actually be for everybody. People who use FarmBot, people who use smart garden sensors, people who don't use anything at all other than their hands and a shovel. Um, because what we were finding is when you look up, how do I grow tomatoes? You find this smorgasbord of advice across the internet some of it is from the USDA. Some of it is from universities. Some of it is from bloggers. And everybody has a different format. Everybody has a little bit of their life story that they want to put into the document as well. Everybody 
you know, has their own way of telling you how to grow tomatoes. And furthermore, everybody is coming at this from a different perspective. They have different soil growing conditions. They have a different environment. It's a different time of year. They're doing it with a different method, you know, hydroponics, aeroponics, soil-based, vertical, uh, et cetera. Yeah, or just different um, locations or different types of climates. Exactly, exactly. So what we found is that you, you type into Google, you know, how do I grow tomatoes? How do I grow broccoli, kale, spinach, whatever? And it's very difficult to find uh, information that is going to be relevant to you, so that matches your growing environment, your location, your soil, your growing preferences. You know, are you doing this organically or um, you're, you're happy to spray whatever you want as long as it results in, you know, bigger tomatoes or something. You know, there's all these different results. It's hard to find the ones that are most applicable to you and results that are high quality and, you know, formatted nicely. You find a lot of, again, blog posts that, that have information about the bloggers, children, and this and that and another thing, and, and Thanksgiving was great, and blah, blah, blah. You have all this other information that is totally not relevant to you. Uh, and then furthermore, you know, maybe you find a good source of information for a single crop. Does that author provide information for other crops that you're interested in? Probably not. And so basically the problem was there was no Wikipedia, you know, a, a single source of information that was, um, that was widespread. Searchable, um, up-to-date, all that kind of stuff. Up-to-date, it covered a lot of, area, uh, you know, subjects or, or crops. It was consistently formatted and also nothing that was in particular machine-readable. And so we ended up starting to develop this this database that we're speaking of called Open Farm, and along the way decided to spin it off as its own project. It's now a nonprofit. It has its own community backing it, and FarmBot is one of the main users of the database. So it FarmBot pulls crop information from Open Farm and presents that to the user, and eventually will be automatically using it in order to grow the crops that the, the farm bot owner specifies. So where do you move from here? What's your next steps uh, from getting to the, from the 20 the hour setup time to the um, push a button and it assembles itself box? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's several things. Um, you know, we're going to primarily, we just need to improve all aspects of the product. Um, from the hardware side, we need to get the hardware so that it's not a 20-hour setup, it's a two-hour setup. So that's going to mean partially assembled kits, where instead of you getting a box of a 1,000-plus parts, you get a box of uh, 10 sub-assemblies that are pre-built for you, and you kind of just snap them together relatively quickly. Um, it also means you know making the hardware more robust, and kind of idiot-proof, which we have done already um, with our, specifically with the wiring and the electronics. Our first iteration of FarmBot had, uh, it actually utilized 3D printer electronics um, because it is a similar type machine. 
The problem, though, is that 3D printer electronics are optimized for 3D printing, and we needed something that was optimized for FarmBot. We'll continuously refine the electronics that they're suited specifically for our needs. You know, you have all the plugs that you need, and uh, you don't have to do any complicated wiring. It's kind of you just plug a few things in, and it's it's idiot-proof, right? Um, from the software side of things, we need uh, features to be abstracted. So right now, the FarmBot software platform is extremely customizable, uh, almost to a fault in a sense, where uh, there's so many different controls and settings that you can you can make FarmBot do anything you want it to do. It's great for the early adopter, the person who wants all the bells and whistles and all the controls and levers. But for the vast majority of users who just want to get up and running really quick, we need to abstract and, in a sense, hide a lot of these little details, little knobs and levers and stuff. And we need to make the most high-level um, actions available to users. So, for example, you know, we need a button where you can just say, like, okay, I'm in, I'm in California and it's this time of year, and I like these, this dozen variety of, of vegetables, and you click a button, and it auto-plants everything for you. You know, so it figures out the exact spacing and the timing, and, you know, it's using this data from Open Farm. Right, because it knows how far apart to put them and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Alan Taylor here, and I wanted to share the news with you about the new Haynes Manuals Online. They're the worldwide leader in vehicle repair information, and they now offer online manuals that are formatted to fit all electronic devices. With Haynes Manuals Online, you get all the trusted content of the Haynes Printed Manual, but with so many added features that help you get the job done right. I ordered one for my car and access it right through my tablet. There are now over 180 Haynes Manuals Online available covering cars, trucks, and motorcycles. You can order yours today at Haynes.com. You're listening to Popular Technology Radio, and I'm talking with Rory Aronson. He's the CEO of FarmBot. And let's let's finish up this conversation with the future of FarmBot. Um, right now, you need to go through and you need to choose which plants you want, and you need to put them into the map and arrange them how you want them to be arranged, which is awesome. You get to design your farm. But that will become tedious at some point, and people will just want to click a button and say, fill in the whole space maximizing the yield, and I want a mix of 20% tomatoes, 10% basil, 30% kale, and, and whatever, and it figures out the rest. How far would you guess you are from releasing your next product that's somewhere along these lines? Basically, each product is going to be closer towards that. We're not going to just all of a sudden release the product and expect, there we go, FarmBot is done. It's, it's this amazing tool. It's going to be an iterative process towards that. So, you know, every, every two weeks, we release new software uh, that has a few more features that make it a little bit easier or more customizable to use, a little more powerful. Every six months or so, we release, we've been releasing a new hardware product, which is better in some way, whether it's easier to use, easier to assemble, or, you know, covers more area. 
So I'm guessing that in about three years, we're going to have a pretty robust product that, that we can reach that kind of like two hour assembly time milestone and more or less one click software setup. Uh, I think that's maybe two to three years out. Very cool. Now for anybody who's listening, um, uh, who may be interested for themselves or for others, uh, is there any, um, videos out there that you think you'd like to point people to or, um, where, where should people go next if they're, if they're interested in this besides farm.bot, your website? Uh, well, I was actually going to say our website is, is definitely the best place to go because we have a ton of videos that describe the technology. We also have this uh, series that we call the FarmBot Stories, where we've gone with a film crew to some of our customers and filmed them and, and heard their story uh, of why FarmBot is important to them and what they're doing with it. So we have a story of a young family in Utah that is going to grow their own vegetables because sustainability is really important to them and self-reliance. We have a video of an educator um, at Virginia Tech University who's utilizing FarmBot for a school project and for research purposes in kind of this multi-generational, multidisciplinary way. Uh, we have this a video of a nonprofit that is using FarmBot as an accessibility technology. So our website has a ton of information uh, and a lot of very engaging videos that describe the technology, show people using it, and also um, some some documentation videos for, you know, this is this specific part and this is what it does, and very educational videos for if you're if you're new to this kind of technology or wanting to look at the details. Um, and then our YouTube channel has all of those videos on it as well, so that's a great um, place to see all those video, all that video content as well. Awesome. Well, I wish you guys the best. It's been very interesting to go from uh, seeing it on Kickstarter to then uh, seeing some. I think I I was reminded of you guys by seeing some kind of Facebook ad or uh, somebody must have shared a video of it, and it's like, oh yeah, this looks like it's really progressing, and it it's so cool. And and I'm I, I'm right there with you. I, I love watching your guys's progress in making farming something that um, can both be easy and something for people who don't who actually have a day job and need uh, some of it to be automated mm-hmm. and there's there's so many people out there that again they they love what we're doing um, and they're they're kind of on the sidelines right now because and, and for good reason you know because because it is still an early adopter technology. But over the next year or two, three, we're going to see a lot of those people say, all right, it's now my time to get involved. Um, you know, the technology has progressed. The newest kits, the, the newest hardware kits look easier and like I can do it. And the software looks like so powerful and fun and, you know, quick to use and efficient that, you know, I'm ready to get involved. So we have a ways to go to get there, but we have this great following that um, is excited about what we're doing and and they've bought into again the vision that we've been marketing and sharing. So it's a very exciting time for us. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me so much, Rory. And if anybody is listening is interested 
Uh, the website, it, there's no .com. It's just farm.bot. So that's that's the site you go to, farm.bot. Rory Aronson, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. That's it for this week's Pop Tech Radio. Go to poptechradio.com if you want to listen to any of our back episodes. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. I'm Jason Masters, and we'll see you next week. Where does the love for a car come from? If the car is a Subaru Legacy, the answer would be the symmetrical all-wheel drive. Power goes to all four wheels all the time for optimum grip. The Subaru Boxer engine's lower center of gravity makes the Subaru Legacy more responsive around corners and gets better fuel economy than front-wheel drive competitors. What you have then is a mid-size sedan with grip, handling, and enviable fuel economy. It's no wonder it turns people into people who love cars. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru.